everyone, and welcome to episode 140 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, how was your week, man? Ah, not too bad. I've actually been off of work all week. You know, I started, uh, took out, originally planned on just taking the weekend off for the Real Rumble that we'll talk about later, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, ended up taking the whole week off, so I've just been, like, laying on my couch watching baseball. Really productive. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I'm yeah. glad that you've been keeping busy with your time off. Uh, like I had Friday off, uh, you know, for the shows this past weekend, which we'll get into, of course. And then uh, Monday makes it a three day weekend and it kind of times up pretty perfectly for me this week. Yeah, I also spent I, I'm sure you saw I had a, a long Twitter thread a couple of days ago. I was digging through my childhood toys and, you know, photographing stuff and ended up putting it all up on eBay. And it's doing surprisingly well. You know? Not so, the belt, I hope. No, that belt I'm keeping that. Well, unless somebody wants to come and try to take it from me. But that belt uh, is really a, a legend. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go look at my Twitter. Uh, I know Ed Cody's sniffing around it, so we might have another feud brew and we'll see. Oh, I tell you, that kid. <laughs> Maybe more on him later. Oh. Well, Joe, I want to I wanna congratulate you for at least, you know, pulling your half of the weight and allowing the A-show to have at least one representative in the finals, unlike that choking dog DJ who didn't do <laughs> his, his job. He came close. He came close, I'd say. Uh you know, it was down to the wire. Uh, I might have been watching it. I might have seen like two or three votes come in after it was like a negative time. But I just think that's the, uh, you know, the way things work with uh, Twitter poll per se. But uh, I don't know when we're recording it. Um, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, with the holiday weekend coming up, um, I think it was like they were, it's probably not going to get recorded for like another week at least Mm. whenever you guys do it give me the heads up i want to be in the live studio audience i don't know if there's such a thing i'll just keep my my shit on mute i just want to listen to it i don't want to wait because you guys will record it and then it'll drop like a week later i'm just uh i'm too anxious to hear it i want to get in on the ground floor it's like a patreon thing i'll pay a dollar to be there uh uh, listen as uh the great west barkley says we'll talk pal we'll talk (laughs) Uh, but no, so I'm looking at your eBay auctions, right? Okay, yeah. And obviously it was in a box. I didn't know that you had the uh, Skylinks. You know what? That was one thing that actually isn't mine. Um, uh, but okay. since I was listing a bunch of other Transformers, I've actually had that sitting in my garage. It's a, you know, for those that don't know, uh, like a vintage Transformer that's surprisingly still in the box. The box is pretty beat up. but box is real beat up, but it's got the Kmart stickers on it. Oh, yeah. baby. Uh, a buddy of mine was selling his childhood home and uh you know he has like a bunch of his toys and he's my age and he's like you want anything down here and i'm like sure what do you got and there wasn't much down there but that skylinks was calling to me and uh he was gonna throw it in the garbage and i think it's at like 80 bucks now you know and it's it's like i i don't even know if it friggin' works and i put in all these listings for everything I was selling on eBay, I literally say, uh, may not transform, may not function for display or parts purposes. Yeah, you know? yeah, But, uh, yeah, that Skylinks is doing well. So are, if you look, there's these little, like, micro-master transformers. They're, like, really, really tiny ones. 
And for whatever reason, I have a lot of those still. And I guess they were rare because they were towards the end of the, you know, the Transformers 80s buzz. And uh, I knew when I listed them all for like 30 bucks starting bid and somebody slid into my message and said, I'll just give you $250 for them if you want to end it now. I knew that like I was onto something. I was like, no, you know what? I'll let it ride. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say it's already up to a bunch. Yeah. And I'll say this. You took good pictures of everything. Everything is very clear on your shag carpeting. <laughs> I know it's a wrestling uh, podcast, but uh, yeah, you're a good eBay and man. Well, I'm an importer and exporter and every once in a while things get exported and you know, uh-huh. got to sure. do it well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so a show, I don't know when we're re- going to be recording. Uh, definitely will not be out this Monday, uh, but it will probably be out the following Monday. That'd be June 7th, I guess. I assume. I don't know. Um, like I said, we just got to figure out a time. It's just this weekend doesn't work for anyone, brother. Yeah. And uh, who are you facing? Who beat DJ? George Gatton, uh, who is an old CZW fan, uh, had some dalliances with wrestling, had a cup of coffee, if you will, in CZW himself, uh, moved to Texas, wrestled for the Wrestle Circus Company, but then he was like part of Scorpio Sky's entourage at one point. Um, he wrestled for IWS, Incredibly Strange Wrestling, and I think his swan song was the event they did in New Jersey for Mania Weekend, excuse me. And uh, George lives a very happy, very non-social media life. Uh, our correspondence to set things up for the show have been done through text messaging. No Twitter DMs, no Facebook Messenger no Instagram, whatever. I don't even know if Instagram has a thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so all the all the correspondence for this has been set up through text. Well, no disrespect to him, but you better stomp a mud hole in him. Well, I, I got a strategy. I don't know what George's strategy is going to be, but it's going to be very interesting to see how things pan out as we are doing a reverse AEW draft <laughs> where I attempt to draft the worst uh, roster for him to make a show out of. And he attempts to draft the worst roster for me to make a show out of. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. I'll tell you this. You know what warms my heart, though? I had at least two people at Real Rumble come up to and ask me if I threw my match against you uh, because I did not want to do the reverse draft. So the, the fact that people thought that I was capable of putting on a better show, but I chose not to, that really makes me happy. <laughs> I, I, I accused you of sandbagging me yeah. on the show. I, I said <laughs> I, I absolutely think that you uh, purposely threw your show so that you wouldn't have to do the uh, reverse draft. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing for you to say it, but if it's another thing for, like, impartial listeners. To oh, say, real people, know. like humans what? and so forth. I get <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's the future. Uh, Let's get into the past. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So this actually is a very busy day in wrestling history, right? Okay. Uh, And we're not going to dwell on a ton of stuff. Uh, And by that, I say there are a ton of of Chikara anniversario events 
and a ton of AIW JT Lightning Invitational Days that happened on May 27th. And when I say several, I mean there's four different Chikara shows that all took place on May 27th, and I think there's three different AIW shows that all took place on May 27th. So I just picked two, right? Okay. Uh, the Chikara one is from 2006 from the Barnesville Thunderdome. Uh, featuring such matches as Daisy Hayes against Sarah Del Rey, uh, Equinox, who is uh, Shoot Trash here, uh, Jerry of Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, and a match pitting Eric Cannon versus John Moxley. Again, it's like a match from 2006. Uh-huh. Um, Larry Sweeney taking on Milano Collection AT. And in the main event, Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli taking on Miyawaki and Yago from Japan in a very hard-hitting, stiff, brutal contest in front of about 45 townies who could not give a shit less. <laughs> nice. So the And then the AIW show that I picked was a night one of J-Lit Weekend from 2016. And I'm just going to run down the uh, entire card here. Because, um, again, that's the one where you get all your big names and so forth on it. Um, Cheech taking on Lewis Linden. Cedric Alexander taking on Veda Scott. Little Guido taking on Tim Donst. BJ Whitmer taking on Candice LeRae. Colin Delaney taking on Dan Severin. The One Billy Gunn taking on Brian Myers. Oh. Uh, DJZ, who is, I forget what his Legato Del Fantasma name is, uh, take, taking on Laredo Kid, which I think was a really good match. Mm-hmm. Um, Colt Cabana taking on Homicide, reigniting that rivalry from the ROH days. Uh, Alex Daniel uh, taking on Britt Baker in maybe her, like, 10th match ever. Uh, Dominic Greeny, a young Dominic Greeny, who's maybe, like, in his 15th match ever, taking on Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Uh, Big Damo, who is, what the hell is his name in World Wrestling Entertainment? He teams with, um, he teams with, and again, I would say, uh, he teams with Drake Maverick. Uh, Killian Dane. Killian Dane. Uh, taking on Ray Rowe, who's one of the Viking Raiders, and then Johnny Gargano taking on Josh Alexander. Okay. So, a, a crazily stacked card there. Yeah. Um, and then I think the next night, I uh, know it doesn't fall into our week, uh, is the first time ever getting to tag up uh, Brian Myers and Mr. Chocolate Doodoo Fingers himself, Mr. Six WrestleManias, uh, <laughs> Star of Leprechaun Origins, and Muppets Most Wanted, Dylan Hornswoggle Postal. Oh. Uh, was the time they ever got to team up together. So, yeah, so those shows are all on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, so check those out. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that first team-up, see, that's historical right there. That, that That's right. If only somebody <laughs> took a picture of that, made it into a card, and said it was their rookie tag team card. <laughs> all right. Good idea. <laughs> um, so also on this day, and again, it's going to be all over the place. In 1989, there was a Saturday Night's main event that was on uh, that has a killer Hulk Hogan versus Boss Man match in a steel cage that has like the first physical confrontation uh, between Hogan and Zeus amongst, you know, your other sundry things that would happen on a Saturday Night's main event. Now, these last two I had to save for a reason. One 
is maybe one of the most infamous days in all of wrestling. The other is one of the most infamous days in all of wrestling for me personally. One of the things I hate saying on a podcast, but it fits for this instance. So we're going to start with that one because it's very specific to me. All right. So on this day in 1987, Adam, uh, there was a news story as the night before uh, en route from a wrestling event in New Jersey heading somewhere else. The Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan were pulled over and charged with possession of marijuana and cocaine. Can I guess why this is important to you? Yes. Is this when you realized that kayfabe was dead or that like wrestling was was a work? Uh, I would have been just days shy of my 10th birthday, and this is when I realized that wrestling may not be on the up and up. <laughs> so it was however many years ago today, 34 years ago, 33 years ago today. Mm-hmm. So it's been a good run, you know? <laughs> it's like finding out Santa isn't real, you know? Yeah. Why is you know? what? Why is the baby face or is the good guy in a car with the bad guy was did the sheik kidnap Duggan? And it's and it's one thing if it was a good guy and a bad guy traveling together. They were feuding on TV. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, they were feuding on TV. And uh, (laughs) and I would make the joke later. It's like, oh, my goodness. Was it like some sort of like, uh, you know, Duggan was against his will and the sheik was something. It's like, no, they just both really liked cocaine, you know, and they just <laughs> had to travel together, right? <laughs> uh, and this one, I think we might, you know, this one this one fits more people than just me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so on this day, Adam, 1996, 25 years ago, we're well, all very old. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, on an episode of Nitro, during the midst of a Mike Enos versus, I forget, Steve Dahl match or something. Somebody will correct me on that. I remember Mike Enos was in there. Uh, wearing the sleeveless Canadian tuxedo, uh, <laughs> Razor Ramon comes to the crowd, gets into the ring, and cuts that famous promo looking for the Nacho Man, the Huckster, Billionaire Ted. And he says, you know who I am? But you don't, or no, you. Uh, but you don't know why I'm here. And then we'll get like maybe like two weeks from now. There's maybe another big arrival that happens. <laughs> uh, but this, like, this is the moment, man. Like wrestling kind of changed. I uh, remember say 25 okay. years ago. So obviously, by this point, I had been watching wrestling a long, long time, and I had much like the previous story. Like I knew the wrestling was a work, and I knew. Uh, that there were separate companies and contracts and all that stuff. But like, even as like a 16 year old, I, I, I want to say like I 40% thought that this was actually like an invasion, <laughs> you know, like you, you wanted to believe, you know, I remember going to school the next day and talking to the one other wrestling fan in my class and being like, Holy shit. Can you believe that? Like, and I, I knew like, that it wasn't, you know, Razor Ramon, you know, invading on behest of the WWF. But I wanted to believe, like I said, like 40% of me believed that it was true. And I wonder how many weeks it took for me to figure out that it wasn't the case. So, uh, and we'll get there. It's not going to be like on a day, but in a few weeks, they do the gimmick at Great American Bash where they powerbomb Bischoff off the stage. 
or through the stage or whatever it is. Yeah, and Bischoff asked them, like, do you work for the WWF? And they yep. they both said no, you know, very out of place, but for legal reasons, you know. Exactly, because th- this whole thing was intended to make you, the watching audience at home, believe that these guys still worked for the World Wrestling Entertainment and were, in fact, invading WCW. Yeah. Like, um, it would almost have been smarter, like, if WWF, they always had a policy of not acknowledging WCW, but if right off the rip, you know, they just said on commentary or something like that, like Razor Ramon and Kevin Nash or Diesel don't work for us anymore, but instead their answer was to have fake Razor and Diesel, which I guess is equally as good of an idea. We're still about four months away from that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I was actually kind of checked out from WCW. Um, when Hogan came in in 94 and beat Flair at Bash of the Beach, like, I still followed WCW, but I didn't watch the program. I just mostly followed it through, like, the magazines at the time. Again, you have to bear in mind, it's 1994 into 1995. And then, like, summer of 95 was the first time that I was given a copy of the Wrestling Observer. And then... 95 late 95 into early 1996 i got on the internet Hmm. and like through like rec.sport.pro-wrestling i Hmm. would get on and find out stuff because like people just like post snippets or rumors or whatever from the observer so like they're like it was known in like april online that hall and nash were leaving wwf and then, like, weeks later, it was like, yeah, they're going to be debuting in WCW. Um, you know, no one knows when, but it's going to be this whole big program, whatever it is. And, like, there was this whole thing that they were going to have, like, these real shitty names. Um, and they just ended up going with their actual real names. Because if you remember, they just called them, like, we know who these guys are. Yeah. Uh, we know where they're from. Then they would just call them collectively the Outsiders. They actually don't call them Kevin Nash and Scott Hall until Batch of the Beach in July. Okay, wow. So, like, it's nearly two months, and they're just those two guys. If you had the ability to fantasy rebook that that invasion, so to speak— would you have Hall and Nash debut at the same time and lay people out? Or nope. would do you like the way of just having, you know, Scott Hall come out and do what he did? I, I think it works better that you have the one guy come out and, you know, he kind of gets through secure, you know, kind of gets through security, gets a live mic and no one kind of jumps him because everyone's kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's like a week later where he comes out at the commentary booth And again, we're getting ahead of ourselves because these are all going to fall on like our weeks. But then it's not until like the third week where Nash comes out. Yeah. So instead of it's instead of giving away everything up front, I think it worked better that like because when Nash or when uh, Scott Hall goes to the commentary booth, that's when Sting comes out and confronts uh, Scott Hall for the first time. Okay, so now someone's finally stepped up. Now I need backup. Now it's the two of them working together, and they're two really big guys, so they pretty much are unstoppable because they're picking their spots. They're not showing up when, you know, WCW is a collective force, and at the time, WCW wasn't a collective force. But um, there's a lot of stuff that I ended up watching, you know, once the WWE Network came along, 
but I was pretty checked out from watching WCW, and this is what got me watching WCW again. Like, I was one of those guys where I would, I think they were head-to-head at this point, uh, Nitro and Raw. Um, They were still both one hour, usually, but this was like a two-hour episode of Nitro, where Mm -hmm. Nitro would go to two hours permanently pretty shortly after this. Um, But I would usually tape Nitro and watch Raw live. Um, But I would watch both shows. And this was like after almost like a year and a half of not being a WCW watcher, I was back in because of the storyline. Yeah, I think I don't think I've ever missed an episode of Nitro or Raw. So I, I may have been going through the motions with both of them at this time. But when, you know, Hall and Nash debuted, like I was all in. I was a WCW guy for the longest time until obviously the Attitude Era and Rock and Austin and all that stuff. And that swung me back over to WWF. You know, but again, a lot of, it's it's just crazy to see how much stuff kind of piles up on this day. And I think a lot of it is because it's like a holiday weekend, whether if, like your holiday thing falls on like a Monday or a Saturday or a Sunday or a Friday they're assuming a lot of people are going to be around maybe at your event or watching on TV. So let's get as much out there. Let's get a big angle started. Let's get a big show going. Yeah. Um, yeah, no coincidence, I'd say. All right, cool. All right. So let's get into uh, what we liked and didn't like from the last seven days in the world of professional wrestling. All right, I'm going to start things off with a dislike. And I have a feeling that because AEW doesn't uh, air until tomorrow night, uh, a lot of my likes and dislikes are going to be from NXT. Uh, and that's mm. partially that's partially because uh, Raw is just unwatchable and I'm not going to dig through it to find anything that I like or dislike. And SmackDown was kind of ho-hum. So my first dislike was the main event from NXT this week, Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross NXT title match. The match was fine, and I get that they're building Killer Cross, uh, Killer Carrying Cross as a monster, but uh, it's in my dislikes just because Killer Cross is literally the worst NXT champion in years and maybe ever. I, and Joe, I want want you to indulge me, if you will, for a second here. I have a list in front of me of every single NXT champion ever. All right, and I just want don't base it on the the overall you know, reign of the champ, because obviously Cross's reign is not yet done, and it can go in different directions, whatever. But if you had your choice between Cross and the following, it, just watch a high-caliber match. Who would you choose? All right, Cross or Finn Balor? Finn Balor. Cross or Keith Lee? Keith Lee. Cross or Cole? Uh, I'm guessing you mean Adam, Adam Cole, Bay Bay? Not Michael Cole, yes, Adam Cole. <laughs> Uh, uh, Adam Cole. All right. Johnny Gargano. Gargano. Champa. Champa. Alistair Black. Alistair Black. Andrade. Andrade. Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre. Here's the one I'm worried about. Bobby Roode. Uh, Bobby Roode. Okay. Shinsuke. Shinsuke. Samoa Joe. Of course, Samoan Joe. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, without a doubt. Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, of course. The Bastard Pac. Adrian uh, Neville. Pac. All right, and I'm just, this is where I'm going to stop the list because this is when they first hit television, Bo Dallas. 
Carrion Cross. <laughs> All right, so Karrion Cross is one of the two worst NXT champions in the history of televised NXT. Uh, and just the fact that they had him plow through Finn Balor again, maybe I'm a Balor mark, maybe I'm a little biased, but for that reason alone, I'm sick of Killer Cross. Take him off my television. Uh, that's my first dislike this week. So, not my likes or dislikes, but I was never on the Killer Cross, Carrion Cross bandwagon. Um, I didn't see a lot of his stuff, so a lot of his stuff was just kind of hyped up to me. And he feels like a guy who's, like, all sizzle and no substance, right? Mm -hmm. He's got the look, he's got the entrance, he's got an intensity to him. Um, he looks like a professional wrestler, you know, the, the old thing of, like, if you saw him... At the airport, you're like, ooh, that guy's something special, right? But mm. as, you know, Bruce Pritchard and many others would say, and then the bell rings, right? <laughs> yeah. And between the ropes, like, bell to bell, he's been really uninspired, like, from the first moment I saw him. But I'm like, okay, you know, I felt the same way about Damian Priest. And, you know, I could make that argument about The Miz. And, like, those are three very unlike characters but there's something about a character that has a little bit more sizzle than substance that works in the WWE environment. But the problem is it works on Raw or SmackDown and it doesn't work as much on NXT. Yeah. yeah he's NXT, definitely... you got to have a little bit of that, as the kids say, work rate. You know, um, when the yeah, bell rings, you got to have of... a little something. He's ripped out of the 80s. He should be an 80s like warlord style guy, but it, it's out of place in 2021. He's, and that's the thing. He's got a presentation. You could put him on Raw and you could hide him in a three-minute match where he gets to do one or two big moves and looks like the killer that he's supposed to be, right? Yeah. Where his eight minutes on TV, six and a half minutes of his, his entrance and exit. Um, And I don't know how much having long matches at NXT is going to help him especially if and when NXT also goes in front of live crowds here. Yeah, which should be they what they announced. It's pretty soon, right? Well, main roster is going live July 16th, and they're going on the 25-city tour, whatever, whatever. And then I think after that, they're going to see how everything looks. And even though NXT is probably just going to be at full sale or somewhere else in Florida... It's going to be in front of live fans. It's going to be in front of paying fans. It's not going to be in front of a cultivated, focused, cheer this and boo that sort of crowd. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when the wheels are going to come off this carry and cross experiment. And a lot of people thrived during this pandemic era, no fans era of wrestling. And Cross had an injury that kind of delayed his progress a bit but i i wasn't like impressed by anything he's ever done in this match this uh, you know uh, this past tuesday was not it yeah if i'm not mistaken didn't he debut in nxt during the pandemic so he's yeah. never performed in front of a wwe audience like Correct. oh yeah we shall say we shall see indeed uh so let me think are we gonna do a dislike or a like Let's do a, a dislike, and let's stay at NXT. Oh, all right. All right. So, uh, maybe a controversial opinion, but I really did not like 
the Cameron Grimes Ted DiBiase segment on NXT this week. Guess what, Joe? One of my dislikes as well. Really? Yep. All right. Uh, so I'll just kind of get my thoughts out of it, and it's, and it is, and it isn't because of the pride of Hagerstown, Maryland, LA night. <laughs> so. Cameron Grimes is great as a comedic foil, and he was one of those characters that, because he was so good at being a comedic foil, he was already turning babyface, if not already babyface at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So the 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 story of this may not be over yet, and it may redeem itself later, but this segment felt like a waste because Cameron Grimes needs to come out and essentially tell us the crowd and the people watching at home that I'm turning babyface. I thought just because I had a lot of money, I could do bad things and people would like me just like you, Ted DiBiase. Well, Ted DiBiase was like a hated character, his entire run of wrestling. Right. Mm-hmm. And we get to a point, even these hated characters, when they come back onto TV, even though they may have been a heel their entire career, you're an old man on TV. It's difficult for us to boo you. <laughs> so yeah. DiBiase is already the face in this feud. So then he starts to like heal a little bit on Cameron Grimes, who's in the midst of a babyface turn. And then LA Knight comes out, and it seems as though DiBiase is like endorsing LA Knight, which is kind of like. Is this L.A. Knight's babyface turn? Because DiBiase has been a babyface this whole time. So I think the segment was poorly executed. I get what they were trying to do, but I think it hurts all three characters involved. And I hope they're able to course correct this and fix whatever problem it is. Like, let's say next week or whatever, like at NXT TakeOver in your house, we have our Cameron Grimes L.A. Knight match. And... DiBiase turns on LA Knight, him and Cameron Grimes embrace, and it's at that point DiBiase gives Cameron Grimes, like, the rub and says, like, ah, you are the new Million Dollar Man. Um, I'm an old man, Hall of Famer, you can't boo me. I'm an eternal babyface now, even though I've been a heel my entire life. And now Cameron Grimes gets to be, like, the uh, the new Million Dollar Man. Yeah, I, I agree with you with everything you said. I came out of that segment, and I really do, like everybody else that watches them, enjoy the Cameron Grimes DiBiase segments. And I came out of it just very confused, like you said. I was like, is Cameron Grimes with Ted DiBiase now? Is Ted DiBiase with the Pride of Hagerstown, Maryland? I just didn't know what happened. And for somebody who is invested in it, I should be able to follow it. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm looking up from my phone in between, like, spots. You know, I'm actually, oh, it's this segment i'm gonna watch it um but yeah so i agree with you uh, a lot of overlap i am going to pitch to you my million dollar idea right now how they could have just spread this out even further all right um, at, at some point cameron grimes gets it in his mind that he wants to go get the million dollar belt and the million dollar belt is at the wwe archives and he has basically like a little journal of all these like feats and and like test that he has to pass to get through until eventually he finds like the room that has the million dollar belt and Virgil is standing guard there. Like, <laughs> like in the, the night in the last crusade, right. Uh, you know, the Indiana Jones movie. And you just basically find out that Virgil's been there since the nineties guarding the belts. 
And that's how, uh, you know, uh, Cameron Grimes gets the million dollar title. But, uh, you know, go ahead and use that. You know, I'm sure that that'll make a lot of money. I, I do like that idea um, <laughs> that Virgil has been guarding the belt <laughs> and he's just been there, even though he's been on TV a bunch of times. We yeah, don't count don't. indie appearances or him trying to like sell his autograph at subway stations. Yeah, that is true. You know what? This whole angle does uh, depend on Virgil's willingness to uh, do something for a buck. So hopefully he's willing to take that. Pay <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, hey, I'm going to get one of my likes out of the way since we doubled up and I got one more dislike that I might have a few words about. Okay. Um, and I'll just throw this out here. I know you said that SmackDown was uninspired this week, but. In my likes, I really like the main event of SmackDown, uh, the four-way for the Intercontinental title with uh, 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 Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, um, Apollo Crews, and uh, who is the fourth guy in there? Big E. Um, I like that they're kind of giving Big E a big feud with the Aleister Black stuff. Um, I like that this kind of wraps up all these little programs that they had with Apollo and the Intercontinental title and everyone kind of moves off to their own thing to move Apollo on to someone else. Maybe we can all come back to these folks a little bit later on. But I also like the fact that they're giving like real importance to the Intercontinental title, which it so rightly deserves. Yeah, this, if I had a third like, would have been in there. And it was the one thing from WWE main roster television that I did enjoy. But uh, not good enough to be in my likes, I think. Okay, so if I'm looking at this correctly, you're going to do a like, I'm going to do my last dislike, and then we'll double up on our last like. Possibly, yeah. Sounds right. like we might be in agreement with something. All right, I'll, I'll make this one quick as well. And this is just because I feel like this is a cumulative like, because I could have easily put this into my likes over the last couple of weeks. But I'm a big fan of the hit row in NXT. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, they were close last week. They were close this week. Um, It's a new and different presentation for a group, a stable on TV. Mm -hmm. And this is something that has legs. It was something that um, maybe like a month or two ago, it almost felt as though, uh, and again, I forget his TV name, but Shane Strickland, uh, Swerve Scott is his name on TV, maybe. Yeah, Swerve. Okay. So uh, Swerve Scott, that they it felt like he was almost like an afterthought where he came in with all this hype. And then not to say that the feud with Leon Ruff wasn't good, but it felt like it was kind of below where his character should have been and where he initially came in at. Mm-hmm. They gave him like two weeks off TV, debuted this whole new stable with all these people around him. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, actually, before they debuted the stable, he was cutting a couple promos in like a studio at a mixing board and there would be like a beat dropping behind him. You know, I sound old when I say that, a beat dropping. But, then, you know, he was cutting a promo while there was like music playing. And I remember saying on the show, just this is probably back when we were doing NXT versus AEW recaps. I think I had said, oh, and one other thing, I really like that Swerve uh, promo. So they've been laying the groundwork for this type of character for a while, a little bit before the stable showed up. And, uh, you know, I like, you know, the, the, the raps, I don't know, maybe I'm a rap guy, you know, I like Max Caster. I like the, this thing, but, uh, yeah, it's just the reason this is in my likes is because, you know, it on its own, maybe not so much, but if you just add up the, their involvement, the last couple of weeks of NXT, uh, I've been enjoying it. It's not something that I fast forward through. For sure. Uh, like I said, re- uh, like you said, really good stuff. Yep. 
Uh, so my last dislike would be you think it's been two weeks now and it would be out of the news, but alas, it's not, Adam. And that would be Cody's promo. Oh, Jesus. From the live Dynamite from a few weeks ago. Um, we thought we had all moved on from it in our quick social media world where nothing really has legs. Cody decided not to only double down on it, but triple down on this. Um, he gave an interview. I saw it on Cage Side Seats. I'm not sure if that's who he gave the interview with. Uh, but he said that the promo that he initially said was from the heart and unrehearsed and unscripted and how he really felt. He now said that he actually workshopped it with a focus group. So when people started dunking on him about that, on the media call today for Double or Nothing, he walked that back and said, the focus group were the veterans at AEW. And I could see him pitching an, a rah-rah pro-America speech to guys that he's giving a paycheck to that, you know, Arn Anderson got fired by WWF and I like Arn and Tully hasn't worked for a major promotion in, you know, 31 years. <laughs> uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, maybe damaged goods. Um, and he runs this promo by them. And I'm sure they all said, good stuff, boss. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Go out there with this from the heart, uh, realistic promo. Um, so Cody's one of those guys where the more he tries to sound like what he thinks a professional wrestler should be in 2021, he comes off as more of a corny individual than anyone could ever hope to be. Yeah. And, like, and I certainly hope (laughs) that he's not doing this as, like, an honorarium to his dad, because it's definitely not. Um, like, I don't know, man. His dad did a real good job of kind of making you feel something and Cody tries to make people feel something, but it comes off as disingenuous. And then when he tries to like talk it back and walk it back, it just makes him look like more of a goof. And I don't know, man, like maybe if you just watch the Cody that's on TV and don't get to see all this other shit. But I think in 2021, if you see like any of Cody, you're seeing all of Cody I can't imagine, like, you're like, yeah, that's my guy. That's that's the guy who has these sub two and a half star matches and cuts these long, rambling, definitely not coked out promos <laughs> that he says that are focus group, but are also from the heart. And obviously people were hammering that meme from the episode of The Simpsons where they have the focus group on Itchy and Scratchy, uh, where the kids want a show that's down to earth and speaks directly to them, but also features like far out wacky robots and space adventures. <laughs> and I think that's the de- definition of what Cody wants his wrestling character to be. Yeah. And I don't know, man, like there's nothing wrong with being like a mid card guy, you know, you can't carry it in the ring. You, you can't carry it on a promo. Um, you know, I wouldn't say, like, there's a lot of guys in AEW that people say are, like, these great promos or whatever it is. And I may not agree, but Cody ain't in the top ten promos in AEW, man. No. Not even close. 
So I have two things to add to that. Number one, how long before you think uh, he is selling transcripts of that promo, either as like a T-shirt or a poster or a limited print or something like that, you know, so that you can own a piece of history, Joe. I can see it being an NFT. Oh, there we go. Not for Todd. (laughs) Um, The other thing is how upset are we both going to be and everybody that's listening to this when Kenny Omega defeats Pac, defeats Orange Cassidy, defeats uh, Eddie Kingston and Moxley and everybody that they throw in his path. And then Cody, the conquering hero, because the fans demanded it. He's going to break the promise he made to us because somebody needs to stand up to Kenny Omega and he'll be the guy who can do it. And then he goes and wins the world title because, you know, that's happening. So (laughs) I'd like to think that it's not happening. And it's one of these things that I'll okay. so I want to kind of I don't want to walk back the things that I've said. Um, but <laughs> Cody is and has been doing a lot for, um, the Huber family, um, over these last several months. So that's what makes like talking poorly about his on-screen character so difficult because I know he's doing good things for good people that I know, but he said in the same conference call that, um, this is not a, you know, AEW Tony Khan storyline of him not going for the title. It's something that he's imposing on himself, and he says that he's not going to walk it back because a lot of other things that he can do in AEW that don't necessarily mean him being the champion. But there's also the same Cody Rhodes who, like, in previous conference calls, like, ragged on Bailey for being a phony and um, just recently said... That the rumors of the EVPs not getting along was started by, quote, people with Sasha Banks and Roman Reigns avatars uh, after the NXT move trying to take the heat off of it. (laughs) When it's something that I have messages and screenshots of discussion over a from over. Well, let's let's go back almost two years ago. So it's been like one of the most poorly kept secrets around. So it's difficult to take what Cody says into a microphone at face value because he is so phony and so disingenuous with his professional wrestling character. Mm -hmm. And this professional wrestling character bleeds so much over into these conference calls and into these press conferences and into these appearances that he does. It's so difficult to take him as a genuine person. Yeah. And you've been saying that, you know, talking about there being dissension amongst the EVPs on the podcast for a long time as well. So I was told about it in May of 2019. Yeah. You know, I think more people started noticing it when Cody stopped appearing in the Being the Elite YouTube series, a show for losers that I only watch the Dark Order segments of. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm like, okay, well, and then it was like six months after that where Cody started appearing in, like, Ethan Page's ones and uh, Sammy Guevara's ones and everybody else who films shit backstage at AEW things, and the only ones he doesn't appear in are the Bucks ones. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, if people don't get it now, people don't get it now, you know? And then the Bucks Wait will make some sort of, like, stupid Twitter joke about it, or they'll make some sort of joke about it on Being the Elite and... You know, they'll ke- they'll make some sort of joke. You know what I mean? They're going to make jokes about it, but they haven't been getting along since the beginning, you know? 
Yeah, maybe we have Cody all wrong. He's hanging out with Ethan Page. He doesn't want to hang out with the Young Bucks. You know, he might be the he might be the face in this situation. You know, the face, <laughs> the face. Oh. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I do. Might have them all wrong here. <laughs> Anyways, I don't. Know. I think most of them. Well, anyway, <laughs> they're all doing nice things for people that I like. All right. I have to preface all these horrible things I say with that. Yes. All right, right, Joe. Well, I was going to say, say, go ahead with your last like. My last like, I believe, is also your last like. And that is the LVAC Real Rumble Friday and Real Rumble Saturday that we both attended this past weekend. Now, obviously, uh, I have a bunch of things like little notes here that I want to just cover on. I'll pass it over to you in a second. But I want to kind of just take things a little bit chronologically, but I want to just say once again, LVAC puts on like the absolute best indie shows on the planet. A lot of great people there from top to bottom, whether it be the talent that's performing or the people that are just working the show or the, the fans and friends that came to it. Uh, I, I, there's not a time in wrestling that I have more fun than when I go to an LVAC show. Well, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll put a pin in that only because, um, you'll have to revisit that in about three weeks when you go to your first AIW show. Ugh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, because AIW is kind of on par with, you know, the very, they're two very different shows, but at the end of the day, attracting a very similar crowd and a very similar mindset. I get it, Joe. I'm praising Elvac. You're burying him. That's fair. No, That's no, fair. no, no, no. <laughs> um, but what I'm just saying is I don't want to take something away from AIW. All right, I'll, I'll preface this and say as far as shows that I have been to, promotions that I have been to, LVAC uh, is as at the tippy top, all right? But I have not yet been to an AIW show. Right, and we're, like I said, we'll revisit this in three weeks, but or four weeks because, like, anyway. Yeah. Um, the LVAC show was great. I was looking forward to it from the day that I was informed that these shows were happening. Um, I feel honored to be a part of these shows um, I can't express my gratitude for the the people involved on the higher level, um, all the talent that's there, the fans that come. Um, like I said, I got a chance to call matches with you and our friend Tim from Final Wrestling Place. Uh, I got to meet Jackie, who you know was a lifelong wrestling fan, had done seminars for commentary, and she had contacted Chris and Mantis about doing commentary here, and in her first time did a great job. Um, and it's just a chance to get it, to meet these people, to feel like I'm still part of something when it comes to professional wrestling. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I've been a fan almost my entire life. I've been involved in professional wrestling for over 16 years. And over the last three or four years, it's been at my own kind of terms and it's been very limited. And, you know, obviously the pandemic and COVID has kind of limited that for a lot of people. But going to the LVAC shows, going to Real Rumble Friday, Real Rumble Saturday, and seeing a lot of people that I haven't seen in months or years or what, or for the first time, the whole weekend just felt great. And as soon as it was over, I was ready for whenever the next one was. Yeah. And when I know, you'll know. And by you, I mean Adam and you, the listening audience, right? Mm-hmm. To make your plans Come to Sokol's sometime in the fall, question mark. Um, there's plans, but it's always, always one of those things. They don't do a ton of shows. Show weekend's over, moving on. And again, I'm, I'm speaking over here because this is my like as well. 
I'm going to chime in on your notes, but there's one just last thing that I want to say uh, on behalf of uh, Chris and Mantis and Juni and Dan and anyone who is in a higher position at LVAC. Uh, they extended to me, and I am extending to you, Adam, uh, Dave, who listens to the show, and Todd, who does not listen to the show, uh, an immense amount of gratitude for helping with the ring uh, this weekend. Um, like I said, it's just one of those thankless jobs that being us as olds, mm-hmm. you less old than me, but not being physical competitors, not being wrestlers, not being part of the show, whatever it is in that capacity. It's like shit needs to be done. Let's get it done for the benefit of everyone. Yeah. And they want to make sure that you and Dave and Todd know that what you guys did is greatly appreciated. Oh, I appreciate it. Let me know. And uh, honestly, like I, I felt like, I, I honored isn't the right word for it, but like I had no problem doing it. Cause I felt like I was giving back to the right. promotion. You know what I'm saying? And I also in doing that, I, I found something that I'm really, really good at in the world of professional wrestling. And that's ring crew. You know, I could tear apart a ring pretty well, you know, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I would do it again next time if they needed it too. Well, saying into a microphone on a podcast is now a legal binding contract. So unfortunately you're going to have to do it next time. That's fine. I, I, like I said, tearing it down isn't hard. Putting it together might require some skill, but tearing it down is easy enough. You just lift things up and put them down. <laughs> but anyways, just a couple quick things about the show. I don't want to go match for match or anything like that, but I just want to kind of shout out a couple matches and individuals from out the throughout the two days. Um, obviously, very good professional wrestler was unable to perform, but he still appeared uh, in a in-ring segment with Sidney Bacabella and Dan Champion. Uh, He also did commentary. I don't know how much you noticed, but I was literally like right over your shoulder whenever I wasn't doing a match, just kind of listening in as much as I could. He killed it on commentary. And uh, Big Dan Champion, you know what? You're going to have to edit this out of the show because I don't like to give him much praise, but Dan killed it on both days. Like Dan Day and Dan Weekend, uh, he, he really played that whole thing to a charm. Uh, and obviously the payoff was with the main event the next day. But uh, like I said, from the first day, Sydney, very good professional wrestler and Dan Champion, uh, MVPs, uh, among others, from the first day. And uh, one other thing from the first day, I believe, was the match between uh, Blank and CB. Was that on the first day? That was uh, night two. Okay, I, I got it mixed up here. Um, okay, another thing from the first day, and then I'll throw it back to you. Congratulations to the boar for I don't even think he bumped once during his match. If he did, it was maybe subtle, like a real small bump, but he managed to uh, have a really good match without uh, putting his shoulders on the mat. That's correct. He left his feet only to to deliver a move, and that was the only time he left <laughs> his feet, which is exactly how you young whippersnappers should be competing in your professional wrestling. Yeah. But anything else for the first day? No, like, uh, yeah. I, I thought the first day, the crowd was really good. Uh, crowd was up the second day, which we'll get into, of course. The show flowed perfectly, exactly as it needed to be. Um, you know, because it was part of, with the movies, it was only four matches. Um, typically, the normal Sokol shows have, like, six matches at the most. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I rib Mantis all the time. So... I'll tell this story here, okay? Mm-hmm. So there was obviously some confusion and miscommunication of what time the gates opened. 
because it's cars coming up a mountain to come into a drive-in. The ring is in the middle of an open field, okay? So uh, there was confusion at what time the gates were supposed to open. Um, Gates were supposed to open both days at 6, and I think for Saturday it said that gates open at 5.30. But LVAC was still starting at 6.30 regardless, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's 6 o'clock on Friday. They're just starting to let people in, okay? And because it's Friday and because there was a lot of new people coming, as they're coming to the gates, it's like, you need a ticket. You have your tickets? Yes, no. Are you doing both nights? Yes, no. Are you camping? Now, if you were new and you were camping, they had some rules and instructions to go over with you. And there were a lot of new people. Like, our friends DJ and Brett have done the stay over before, um... You know, but there was a lot of new people that didn't. So there was a lot of people that had to get the speech coming in about what the camping rules are. Right. Mm. So at about quarter after six, I get a message from both DJ and from Pat uh, from Pod Van Dam saying like, hey, man, it's like quarter after and this line's like barely moving. Right. So I go grab Mantis and I go grab Chris and I say, hey, just letting you guys know, you know, I know how the, the show is scheduled to be rolled out and everything. Um, but people are still being let in and I know the plan is to start for six 30, but I just want to give you guys a heads up just in case the line is moving really slow because there's that many people that like, there's people that want to be here for the wrestling and they don't roll in until like the second or third match. And then they're bitching and pissed off at you guys for something that's out of your control. So I go, I'm just giving you the heads up. I go, maybe Sydney ends up going a little bit long on his promo. Maybe some of the match times get cut down a little bit. And then I look at the match times. Again, wrestling is maybe predetermined, okay? <laughs> so I look at the match times, and I see the opening match, which is Jeff Cannonball and Mitch Valen, uh, Valen against uh, Erica Lee and the aforementioned Boar. And I think that match is given 11 to 15 minutes. time. <laughs> <laughs> and I always give Mantis a hard time that, like, he gives these guys way too much time for their matches in the first place. And uh, Chris is like, oh, maybe we could cut some time up some of the matches. And I see <laughs> how long the Boar's match has. And I'm like, oh, he can get that down to six minutes. <laughs> With introduction. And I hear the Boar from across the locker room, which is just a tent outside. So he goes, I got it down to seven. <laughs> <laughs> So Sydney goes a little bit long in the promo, introducing the whole entourage of him and Dan and very good professional wrestler and Tim Donst. And then it allows enough time for people to come in and so forth. So a lot of people don't need to cut the time off their matches. But I just thought that was a funny story uh, that I'm like, oh, Bork can get that done to six. And he's like, I got it done to seven. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the second day, I think I, I accidentally started talking about this. Uh, Blank and world famous CB had a really good match. Um, yeah. And I just want to throw this out there. Obviously, I've been to shows before that Blank has been at. And, you know, sometimes I'm behind the like behind the scenes or there early before the crowd. And I just see a bunch of maskless people. And then they all go back to the dressing room. And then they, all of a sudden the wrestlers come out with masks. And then they go back to the dressing room and then they come out without masks. And I, I never there's times when I don't know who's who. You know, uh, so like this is the first time that after the, the card, I, I recognized I was like, oh, this guy that I've been talking to like before the shows or after the shows, this is blank. So I just made it a point to be like, hey, man, like 
I tried telling him about like when we first started doing this show and you were reading off like Chikara cards or something like that. And you were like, oh, the proletariat bore of Moldova and then blank and still life with apricots and pears. And I was like, whoa, 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 go back and say that again, because this all sounds fascinating. So I was just telling him about like from the start of like me watching re getting back into indie wrestling that like his stuff has been some of my favorite. And, you know, he was, you know, super appreciative and a nice guy, but I, I just want to mention how I finally got to put two and two together. And I talked to blank. <laughs> so I'll say it's a poorly, it's a very poorly kept secret, but it's not something that gets flaunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it was like a whole storyline in Chikara where he lost a match and had to wear a mask. Okay. Uh, so his like unfaced visage has been out there. And very few people who are pre-established come into Chikar and get their own thing. They always get some sort of, you know, different coat of paint. I'm not going to say it's fresh or better. I'll just say it's different. Um, and then blank when he and Edith Surreal did their tag match a month or so ago. They had he had some new stupid name and beyond that as soon as we I, we recorded the show. I watched that match, and they said what the new stupid name for him was that wasn't blank. I messaged him. I'm like, oh, that new name sucks. And he goes, it ain't my idea. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I told him at the show this weekend, I go, I ain't calling you that stupid beyond name. And he goes, I don't want you to call me it. But like I said, they had a great match. Um, yes. And then for the main event, unless you have something other from day two that you want to talk about. Uh, no, I thought like the the New York kids did a good job in their six person match. Oh, uh, yeah. The, I, one thing I, I want to Hot Dog Ronald, aka Megabyte Ronnie, looked fantastic. I that's know. what I was gonna say. He looked like a million dollars, man. <laughs> he absolutely did. I know Pod Van Dam was saying that he looked like Lionel almost, <laughs> but he he almost looked like a non problematic 1985, 1986 Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, with the tan and the baby blue and the Fu Manchu and the, the bleach blonde hair and the whole thing. And, uh, you know, we talked before how there's guys where, like, hey, the sizzle sometimes is what's out there and on the indies at this level. And, you know, he's he's wrestled a couple times on Dark, uh, and he's got the whole competitive eating thing. Uh, he's Like I said, he's got the sizzle, man. Uh, in five years, that kid, kid, he is going to be a star. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have they looks like thunder lips from uh, Rocky, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and, and also shout out to Puff, very good dancer still. You know, better dancer than Big Dan, I'll say that much. But uh, all... yeah, <laughs> um, so obviously the main event for those that don't know, uh, we had Orange Cassidy join us on commentary, which you know he was a very chatty person, couldn't get a word in edgewise with him, you know. <laughs> in typical OC fashion. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, that that was, as a fan, like a mark-out moment for me. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, but the, the main event itself was just absolute chaos uh, in a good way. And lots of run-ins. And obviously, Orange Cassidy saved the day at the end. And then that goddamn cheating Bryce Remsburg has to go and attack Dan Champion unprovoked to send the fans home unhappy. Like, all these people that came to see Big Dan on Dan Day, uh, you know, they, they couldn't send him home happy. They had to have Bryce get in the last licks. But uh, obviously, I'm joking. Uh, great main event. Great weekend, you know? Yeah, so the main event... Um... 
so I knew uh, somewhat what was going to happen in the main event, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was the deal where Haunted Francis was in the multi-person match main event of night one. He gets injured, is taken out of the multi-man, multi-person main event of night two. So now there's a question mark. The baby faces start the match at a three-on-four disadvantage. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Pause. So the original plan was for the fourth person to be Hydra right off the rip. Okay. Okay. So then when uh, the piece of Bryce being the referee and OC being out there, right, get involved, a decision is made to kind of like escalate things. Like instead of just having Hydra come out, well, let's have this and then 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 kind of like doing this like escalating thing, right? To get to Hydra coming out. Now, the problem is, I don't know any of this is coming out, going on, right? I know it's a three on four disadvantage for the baby faces. Uh, Bryce gets bumped. A bunch of things happen that I don't know what they're going to be. And then Hydra comes out, right? Mm hmm. Um, so as I'm leaving and, uh, you know, and I'm told, I'm like, oh, that's, we're going to figure it out. Right. Hmm. So as I'm leaving, I see in the back of the ring truck that the Freddy gear is still there. And again, it's not really Freddy from, uh, Nightmare Freddy or Freddy from the <laughs> movies. Right. Uh-huh. So I see the Freddy gear is there. And I just say to, as they're going over the match and I'm like, Oh, the Freddy gear is here. I'm like, oh, oh, maybe Freddy should do a run in tonight. And then I just walked away, right? <laughs> so uh, the way that it ends up working is uh, Pancakes, who was one of the last, I guess, graduates of the Chikar Wrestle Factory, comes out. Uh, and then uh, Alf comes out. Hmm. And then Bubbles the Bear comes out. And then Freddy from... The movies comes out, <laughs> and then finally Hydra comes out. So, like, I had no idea any of these things are coming out. I just saw the gear there, and I made a joke. I'm like, oh, it'd be funny if Freddie, you know. Um, and then, of course, Orange Cassidy gets up from commentary. He gets involved, and that allows them to beat Big Dan. But when these shows come out through Smart Mark, through Square of Opposition, we will let you know. Look for the retweets. Look for the whatevers. Um... Yeah, it was just a great time. It was a fun time. Um, And hey, man, listen, I I appreciate everyone who traveled far and wide to be here. And I'm sad that there were people that, like, were finding out about it the day of. And they're like, shit, I didn't know these shows were going on. And that's just the way, like, independent wrestling happens sometimes, man. Like, sometimes you just don't notice it or you don't see it. And sometimes I feel like, well, I'm not doing a good enough job of getting the word out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm almost at the point of looking at all the people that were lamenting that they weren't there this weekend. And when the next set of shows gets announced, like I'm going to personally tag them in the show post and saying like, Hey man, <laughs> uh, don't miss this. Yeah. You're getting or, ample notice that this show is happening. Right. Or if you have their phone number, just literally call them. Be like, yeah. this is a personalized call. <laughs> like Holly Wicked called me on a uh, arcade of terror this week. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I was going to mention that later. Um, 
but yeah, it's just it's one of those things like okay, now I'm relaxed, now I'm calmed from the weekend. I mowed the lawn after busting our asses, getting the ring break broken down. Um, and like once it hit Monday, I'm like, when's the next show? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I said at the top, uh, great show as always. Had a blast. Uh, really, there's. Very, there's very little I can nitpick about anything, and I won't. And uh, looking forward to the next one. And everybody better come. As many people that we know uh, that came to this one, the next one better be double that, you know? Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I think that's it for likes and dislikes, Joe. But did you know that there's a pay-per-view this weekend? It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kofi Kingston. I did, because AEW, Double or Nothing, uh, does a good job because there's so few of the pay-per-views. They actually feel special when they happen. Yes, and according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of wrestling information, there are 10 matches announced for the pay-per-view. This ain't no NXT WWE show. 10 matches, one of which is on the pre-show. Okay. I moved the microphone a little bit away from myself just so I could write these down as I'm Xing them out of my head, right? All right. Okay, so I think I know I think I'm I think I'm pretty good. Um so we have the main event for the world title, Kenny versus Pac versus OC. Yep. Then we have uh the Bucks taking on Kingston and Moxley. Yep. Then we have Miro defending the uh, TNT title against uh, Lance Archer. Well, to be fair, Miro has a match against Dante Martin tomorrow night, so he might not be the champion come Sunday, but yes. It just is in the, case. Just in case. It's the uh, television champ versus Lance Archer. Okay. We have uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus uh, Darby Allen and Stang. In a non-cinematic match. In a non-cinematic match. Uh, we also have the uh, the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle in a stadium stampede match. Yep. And I if the if the Inner Circle loses, they must disband as a team forever. Uh-huh. Sure. You're halfway good, there. That's good, five of them. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, we have Sheeta taking on Britt Baker. Yep. Uh, I think this was announced for the pre-show for sure, which is Serena Deeb versus Rio. Yep. Okay, then there's a men's and women's casino battle royal? There is only a men's, according to Wikipedia. Okay. I think Tony Khan may have been intimating in the conference call that there's going to be a women's one as well. But so, again... Men's definite. Yep. Now, who are all the competitors in the casino? Oh, get the fuck out of here. I don't know that. <laughs> I'll tell you just for the sake of thoroughness, announced are Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Penta El Zero. No, no, see, you have to stop. You have to stop. Because by you saying names of people, it's going to give away 
who's oh. not in the Battle Royal, then I'll figure out who the other two matches I can't remember are. Oh, all right, fine. Because I can't remember the other two matches. Um, you're So you give up? Yes. We have... I think you were only missing one. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Here it is. Uh, your boy, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Ogogo. Son of a bitch. I can't believe we forgot that one. The American <laughs> Dream Cody Rhodes for one night only. Yes. And I just want to say, I've, I remember a couple weeks ago, I was shitting on uh, the, 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 the factory, calling it the Nexus of Nobodies. I, I dig uh, Anthony Ogogo. I dig the big monster looking dude. And I like how QT Marshall just wears like the same wardrobe as like Fat Mac from It's Always Sunny. I, I've turned around <laughs> on the... I turned around on the fam, uh, the factory. Um, the other match that you are forgetting is Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage. I knew Adam Page was in a match. I just couldn't remember who it was against. I knew Adam Page was not in the Casino Battle Royal. I couldn't remember his opponents. And by when you, if you listed everyone in the opponent in the in the Battle Royal, I would have figured it out that it was Brian Cage. All right. Uh, again, the Casino Battle Royal members are Christian Cage, Seidel, Hobbs, Penta, Jungle Boy, Matt Hardy, Mark Ken, Isaiah Cassidy, The Blade, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, Preston Vance, Griff Garrison. Who the fuck is Griff Garrison? Brian Pillman Jr., Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, Dustin Rhodes, Lee Johnson, and TBA. So maybe a debut. Uh, so Nick Camarado is the big scary guy from the uh, Nightmare Family. Yeah, yeah. The one that wears like the the shredded toilet paper costume. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have a bold prediction on who TBA is going to be uh, in the Battle Royal. Do you have any thoughts or feelings on it? Uh, I don't know because I don't really know who's like was signed or any of that stuff. So I would just be guessing. So I don't have a, a thorough like thought provoked. Yes. Go ahead. Okay, so I have a thorough. I, I again, a lot of people are assuming it's going to be Andrade, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be the Big Show. I think it's going to be Paul White as the mystery guy in the Battle Royal. Okay. Yeah, I mean he hasn't competed yet, and yep. there's no, nothing to stop him, right? He's not hurt. He's just right. Old. And they're making a point <laughs> that he's going to be commentating that match. Like, that's part of the advertising for that match, that Paul White is doing commentary on that match. Okay. That makes sense. Any predictions uh, for uh, any of the, the big matches? Uh, okay. Kenny, Kenny wins. Kenny's going to retain. Um, in my heart, I would love to see Kingston and Moxley win the tag titles, even if it's just a quickie switch where they win them on Sunday and lose them back on Wednesday. Mm. Um, Sting is going to score the pinfall in his match. Uh, Britt is going to win the women's title. Yeah, I think that's probably the only, well, the, the big title change, you know? Right, right. Um... Inner Circle's going to win to stay together. Uh, Cody should lose that match in under three seconds. (laughs) Uh, But he won't. It'll probably be like... Like, they gave Austin Gunn, like, three good minutes against Anthony Agogo on TV last week. Um, It should be, like, stare down. Um, You know, Cody, like, trash talks him a little bit. 
Ogogo slugs him in the gut. Cody shits and pisses blood, and that's the end of the match. <laughs> it would be Cody's best match. <laughs> uh, I'd give that three and a half stars. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you're going to hate me when I say this. I'm looking forward to the stadium stampede match if it's anything like last year's. I liked last year's. You know, I liked all the, the goofiness to it. I liked uh, Jericho complaining to the ref about a call and throwing the challenge flag, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't know if you're going to have that in this, like, blood feud that is between the pinnacle and the inner circle, but uh, I hope there's some comedy in there. Well, Adam, to give you a hint of whether or not they're going to be doing a bunch of goofy haha in their blood feud blow-off match this week, uh, on Dynamite this week, they've advertised that Eric Bischoff is going to be hosting a special segment of going over the Pinnacle's greatest moments. (laughs) So there absolutely will be a bunch of goofy ha-ha in their blood feud blow-off match. Oh, all right, good. Looking forward to the Pinnacle versus Inner Circle. Definitely don't hold that against me. (laughs) All right. All right, what's next? All right, so uh, we record against Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, When I record, I do my best, unless I'm getting notifications, to stay off social media, because as we're recording this, the ultimate warrior Dark Side of the Ring is on. We will be talking about that and the AEW, uh, the A-N-E one from this past week. Um, As a compare and contrast, next week, this week, we're going to be talking about the Collision in Korea episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, Joe, right off the bat, I know you always ask me, you know, what, how much of this did I know, didn't know, whatever, and then my overall thoughts. Now, I mentioned last week that I had no idea this even happened, and after watching that episode, I still don't care that that happened. This episode was a complete meh for me. Uh, like, this could have very easily been a 15 minute long segment in like a clip show of like strange things that happened in wrestling. I did not need an hour of two cold Scorpio talking about how tough he is and how he was going to kill Hawk. And then he's going to kill him again. And then he tried to, you know, make peace with Hawk, but then he said he was cool with fighting him again. Like it was a lot of just like Scorpio pounding his chest and yeah, he can, he's a tough guy, but like that was half the documentary in my eyes. And, you know, obviously a lot of things about, Hey, did you know that North Korea is an oppressive regime and that there's like shady stuff that goes on there? Yeah. I knew all that too. So it was like, there wasn't much in this. It was interesting, but, uh, kind of like, underwhelming as far as an overall show goes yeah so uh this i felt was gonna be a very polarizing episode that either people were gonna love it or hate it um i liked it a lot just because i knew like a little bit of it because people would talk about it here and there but to get everything kind of laid out from so many different people uh the fact that they were able to get antonio noki on camera to talk about everything um the fact that eric bischoff was I don't know, somewhat truthful for him. Mm. Um, You know, and just kind of seeing what pressure a lot of those people were under, because you got to think when this happened in 1995, while you and I know and maybe knew at the time in 1995 that North Korea was an oppressive government regime, I would have to think that a lot of these professional wrestlers did not know that. 
And they probably just saw this as like another international gig. So to kind of hear them dealing with this of like the phone calls being tapped and the threats being made by the government against them and all those sort of things. It was just so interesting to hear those stories to me and them kind of like recounting this and just to hear how fucked up of a trip this was just so that Anoki could kind of politically position himself to run for some sort of government seat in Japan. Mm-hmm. All of it is such a very much of a time capsule, a very much of its time sort of situation in the world of professional wrestling. And like I said, it was a time when I wasn't watching WCW and people will point out to you that when this happened, everyone talks about this being this big WCW event. When it happened, the only person, and I say that singularly person who was an actual WCW contracted talent was Ric Flair. Uh, the Steiners and Scott Norton and Benoit and Scorpio, all people that we kind of associate a little bit with WCW. Um, Steiners were in between contracts with WWF and WCW. They were New Japan talent. Benoit had not been officially signed by WCW. Norton not officially signed by WCW. Scorpio had recently been let go by WCW and was working almost full time uh, for the Indies for ECW at that time. So it's so weird in retrospect to see this show that was advertised as a WCW show and having literally only one WCW representative on it. And Hawk wasn't WCW? No. Okay. Hawk was in between stints. He was there as a... He was in WCW as a single up until 94, and then he was back in New Japan. And then he and Animal would not return as a team to WCW until late 95, early 96. Because the documentary, or maybe it was just Bischoff talking, made it seem like all these guys were in a WCW locker room when they heard the news that they were going to uh, to North Korea. You know, uh, like, again, like, like I said, Bisch- Bischoff was almost truthful for him. Yeah, well, I feel like was it Scorpio or Norton said like he was in the locker room and all the Japanese wrestlers were in like an uproar. And when he asked them what was up, they were like, Oh, we're going to North Korea. They don't like us there. You know? So they were in a locker room together. That's the only thing that I was confused by, you know? Right. So they were probably in a new Japan locker room together, not a WCW locker room together. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Yeah, man. I, I, it was interesting, but I, I, I don't feel like there was an hour's worth of material there. You know, it was just not me, not for me, dog. For sure. But what do we have next week? Uh, well, next oh, weekend we no, have Warrior. God damn it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we cool. have the any documentary about Warrior, and we're going to compare and contrast it with the Dark Side of the Ring uh, episode of Warrior. I did watch like one or two of the little teaser clips that they did release out to it where they talked to Warrior's ex-wife about what Jim was doing shortly after WrestleMania six. And Cornette and uh, Jim Ross attempting to describe what the fuck is distrucity. <laughs> uh, so these are stories that I may have heard before on a Jim Ross podcast or a Jim Cornette podcast. But um, as you say that the collision in Korea may not have been enough for an hour uh, episode of a TV show. I feel as though the warrior stuff could be three hours and you'd still be leaving stuff on the table. Yeah, like the I watched the A&E one and we'll get into this next week, but that was two hours long and there was like no mention of him in WCW. You know, they had to trim a bunch of stuff there, you know. Right. But uh, all right. Cool. Looking forward to that. I actually watched 
a bunch of A&E documentaries this week because I said I, I wasn't at work, so I caught up on the Booker T and the Shawn Michaels one as well. They're both pretty good. I recommend both of them. Yeah, you know, I watched them, but I don't think they were, like, good enough for us to, like, talk on the show. They weren't yeah. crossing over with the Dark Side of the Ring. I feel the Dark Side of the Rings have a little bit more, uh, you know, I've been saying this a lot, a little bit more sizzle, if you will, you know? Yeah. More sensationalism. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. That's... So plugs uh, would be remiss not to mention uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. Independent Wrestling TV. Um, as we record this as well, uh, Time Bomb Pro is having their Survival Never Goes Out of Style event featuring Dom Garini and Kevin Koo. It's the first Time Bomb Pro show that's not filmed in a sex dungeon. It's actually filmed in front of a live crowd in a wrestling ring. I'm sure it'll be up on VOD as you're listening to this. Definitely check that out. Uh, Saturday is the H2O event, Paid My Dues. And then Sunday is the Sean Henderson birthday batch, bash, which I know features Tim Donce taking on the aforementioned Too Cold Scorpio. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Scorpio gets along with Donce better than he did with Road Warrior Hawk. <laughs> um, and also, I want to let you know, since there is no more LVAC to promote, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I need something else to focus my energy on. And what I'm currently focusing my energy on is something that I'm going to ask you, the listeners of this show, to assist me with focusing your energy on. And that would be hashtag get Ed from Pod Van Dam on Between the Sheets to talk about dude love. <laughs> so young Ed uh, claims, and again, I say claims, that the first time that he ever watched wrestling was the debut of Dude Love, which happened on July 14th, 1997. So in the Between the Sheets, David Bixenspan and Chris Zellner's podcast comes out every Monday. Maybe my favorite podcast. I love listening to it. I subscribe to the Patreon. They just dropped an episode that was four hours of just the last two months of ECW. And if you like Paulie Dangerously's lies all being <laughs> laid out end to end to end in a just a two-month period, then this is the show for you. Cannot stress signing up for their Patreon more than anything, but it would make Ed happy to be able to go on this show, which he loves as well, and talk about the moment that made him a wrestling fan, which is actually one of my favorite wrestling moments as well. As a you know longtime Cactus Jack Mick Foley dude love Mankind fan, watching the buildup to this, where Mankind is doing, like, the pick-me-Steve thing, and Austin keeps stunning him, and Mankind cuts this threatening promo that he's going to do something that people are going to regret, and people thought they'd never see before, and it was supposed to make you think that it was going to be Cactus Jack. Me, being a big-brained individual, I'm like, he's going to fucking do dude love, and it's going to be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It was ridiculous. It still is ridiculous to this day. To see Austin, who at the time was arguably the hottest act in all of professional wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. To share the ring with Mick Foley being the biggest doofus in the world, and Austin have to, like, go along with it and sell it, and, like... They win the match, spoilers, and Austin, again, the biggest star in the company, is like, I'm going to give you this goof, your props, and I'm going to leave the ring so you can close out Monday Night Raw. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's so much about this moment in professional wrestling, and that's my thoughts on it. So, 
I the only thing I, I ask is when you hashtag get Ed from Pod Van Dam on between the sheets to talk about dude love, you need to make sure that you're tagging at least Chris, at least Bix, and at least the between the sheets Twitter in there so that they know. Like obviously it's a way for me to keep track of everyone who's following along and being on my crusade and you know, I'm not going to be doing this for the next six weeks until the episode is recorded. But once I have that definitive confirmation that Ed, in fact, will be on the show, I will probably, you know, send out a celebratory tweet saying that my hashtags always work. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a feeling that maybe one of my other hashtags might be getting these always work this weekend as well. Uh, but one Ooh. last time, hashtag get Ed from Pod Van Dam on Between the Sheets to talk about dude love. I just want to say true story. I'm at the LVAC. You know, you guys had left. The movies are playing. It's a uh, real rumble Friday and beyond the mat is playing. And I was hanging out with the PVD boys and Ed might've been like fixing a fish tank before I got over there. Uh, but uh, when dude love came up on the screen, I shit you not. He yelled at the screen and said, I want to be on between the sheets, Bix. <laughs> like <laughs> You know, like not into a microphone, not anything else, but he yelled at the, like the screen as if Bix would hear it. But you know what? Here he is hearing it right now because I'm letting him know. But uh, I that I think that's a w- worthy hashtag. Yes, definitely not unwieldy at all. No, listen, my hashtags are very concise and to the point. There's no confusion as to what they are for. Yeah. Before I get into the other podcast, Joe, what's the deal with you on Arcade of Terror? I saw that tweeted out earlier, and you mentioned it earlier. Well, uh, as you saw, Hollow Wicked was playing these games uh, called Grandpa and Daddy. But more importantly, he was trying to extract a soul that had somehow gotten lodged into a starting lineup figure. Oh, and okay. Hollow Wicked thought just because uh, I, I am a, a shady individual who possibly lives in a uh, Appalachian hut that I would somehow know how to extract a soul mm-hmm. from an inanimate object, and I gave him my best get. guess. Spoilers, it does not work. Oh. Now, I know that this was on Jerry's Independent Wrestling um, prior to tonight's sh- like live show, but is yes. it something that we can check out after the fact? Yes, if you just go to Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium and type in Arcade of Terror, it will be there. Awesome. That's what I'm going to do as soon as I get off this show. Absolutely. Everyone should. All right. Well, as you mentioned before, podcasts between the sheets, hashtag get Ed Cody from from Pod Van Dam on between the sheets to talk about dude love. Am I close? No, not Ed Cody. Just get Ed Ed. from Pod Van Dam. Oh, I'm sorry. I made the hashtag way too long there. (laughs) Right. That's just ridiculous. The way you did it just doesn't sound right. Uh, I know. All right. So, yeah, between the sheets, final wrestling place, long box heroes. And listen to Longbox Heroes After Dark this Friday uh, for the story of the Orange Cassidy chair. We'll we'll save it for your podcast. Oh, baby. Uh, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, The House Show Podcast, Viewer's Choice, The A Show, Not Another Sports Podcast. And Joe, I'm just pulling it up right now. My new favorite podcast, uh, Off Her Chops, featuring the Iconics. (laughs) definitely worth a listen joe go check it out since the alexa bliss podcast got canceled uh i'm gonna have to start listening to uh cassie and other other girl on their <laughs> um i expect a full report from you and or marcus on that podcast on my desk 
uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but Marcus is uh, branching out and doing all these extra podcasts now. We might actually do a podcast where we just cover episode by episode the Iconics podcast. You know, like a recap show. <laughs> He'll somehow have to fit that in with the podcast that he's doing with Todd where they rank every NFL helmet ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of those shows are coming soon. Yes, to the soon-to-be-named network. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's it for the main show. Yeah, so uh, again, episode 140, Add Odds with Wrestling. Thanks for listening. We're going to get into some weekly purchases here. Uh, I had a big boy purchase this week, but uh, I'll let you go first. You have you have a quantity of number of purchases from this. Purchase. I do. So I want to just preface this. that This is weekly purchases LVAC edition. Every single thing that I purchased here, I either purchased while at the LVAC or because of the LVAC, if that makes sense. So I just want to start off the first thing. Um, and this is because Tim Taylor, a uh, friend of the show from Final Wrestling Place, he enabled me and he basically said that I needed to buy it because I got a notification on Friday night that there is a Walmart exclusive Captain America Infinity War figure. Uh, that went up for pre-order, and I was like, oh, man, I really want to buy this, but it's the year of financial responsibility, and he basically goaded me into buying it. So I pre-ordered a Walmart-exclusive Captain America figure. And it's the bearded one, and that's the most handsome one. <laughs> oh, Beardo, yes. Yes, yes. Um, but I'll just say real quick, and I'll let you have a, a shot at this. I bought a bunch of T-shirts or got a bunch of T-shirts. I got the Dan Champion Appreciation T-shirt, hashtag Dan Day. Uh, and I also got a They Live shirt. We mentioned last week that some of the best shirts are the movie-based T-shirts that they sell at Mahoning. Uh, so I have one from They Live. And for Tearing Apart the Ring, I actually got a vintage LVAC Holiday Helper T-shirt. So uh, pumped about that collector's item. So I had every intention of buying that same They Live shirt. And it's one of those things where a lot of times when it's a wrestling weekend and I always go and I scope out the merch and I look at what people have. And, uh, you know, I need fat boy sizes because I'm a fat boy. Um, <laughs> I look at what they have and they were just getting their stuff out. And I go, hey, I'm going to come see you guys at the end of the weekend if you guys have any uh, th uh, 3Xs left. And listen, I could get away with a 2X. I like the 3X because a lot of times it'll shrink. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes a 2X will shrink and I have a, I have a nice glove that I could wear. <laughs> um, but by the time that I got to them, by the end of the weekend, they were sold out. So oh. I didn't get a chance to get that one, but I did buy uh, on Tuesday of this past week, uh, 20 by 20 apparel, uh, not officially, but in conjunction with Terry Tuesday, had a shirt commemorating uh, Terry Funk's 1972 debut in Japan. Uh, nice color uh, shirt, kind of like more of a, not black, but like, a, like kind of like a heather black almost, if you will. A softy tee. Lots of blues and oranges yeah. popping on a real nice tee. I grabbed one of those bad boys. Oh, nice. Is, is that one of your weekly purchases? That is one of my weekly purchases. All right. Uh, I'll just say this because we both did it, and I, I have this included in my weekly purchases, but we both got our Orange Cassidy figure signed, so I consider that uh, an, an acquisition of this week because we acquired the signature. Yes. Ah, uh, sure. That counts, right? It's in my weekly purchases. I already own the figure, but I threw it in there. All right. Uh, so my other weekly purchase, this is a follow-up from 
last week where I had discussed it's starting to get hot mm-hmm. in northeastern Pennsylvania. I have central air in my home. I turned it on, and it was blowing. It just wasn't blowing cold air. I reached out to my brother who works in that business. Uh, he did not have his tools for that sort of work on him. And he called over to a few people, said, if I don't hear from them by Sunday, just call someone locally. Didn't hear from them. I called someone on Monday. They were here on Tuesday through absolute kismet. I work from home and they were able to get here during my lunch break, uh, working from home. And they had to do a recharge of the Freon, which it's been about seven or eight years since we had to do it. And it's an older machine. Uh, my house was built, the house that I live in was built in the mid 70s. And when we moved in 16 years ago, we were told that the central air thing didn't work. And then one day on a whim, uh, we just threw it on and it worked. And mm-hmm. this is the third time in 16 years that we've had to recharge it, quote unquote. And that cost us about $350. Money well spent. Right. Been and it's, it's worth it. Like I said, it's yeah. cooled down the last two days, but. Uh, you know, when it gets to be sweltering in the next, like, two, three weeks, we'll already be ready to go. We won't have to be calling, like, the local HVAC folks. And they're like, yeah, we can't get someone out there for weeks, right? I'm yeah. glad we got it done now. Yeah, absolutely. I put all my air conditioners in a couple of days ago, and uh, I'm ready for it. All right, so my last two things I'll just say. Uh, I put a, an order in from Ringside. Uh, promo code minor does not work. Not yet. Trying for it. Um, but I ordered uh, figure defenders for the signed Orange Cassidy figure, and I got you one as well. We talked off mic about that. Uh, but one of the main reasons why I wanted to place an order from Ringside is uh, one of my best friend's kid is a huge wrestling fan. And I think I've mentioned him before. His kid is eight. And uh, he was the one that after WrestleMania, I whispered in his ne- in his ear, acknowledge him because he was upset that Roman Reigns won. Um, but he collects wrestling figures and he's got a massive collection of wrestling figures. And it's really hard to coordinate. I was like, I'll text John and I'll be like, oh, does he have Kofi Kingston? And I'll be like, yeah, he has Kofi. And I'll be like, oh, does he have, you know, whoever? And so he has a lot of guys. Plus the fact that Julian is the the kid is smart enough to know that he doesn't want basics. He asked really politely to his dad. He's like, dad, is it okay if I only get elites from now on (laughs) because they're much more poseable for his fig fed. Um, But anyways, the reason why I placed it on ringside is I was going to pull the trigger on buying him his very first of hopefully many orange Cassidy figures. Now, I already have a couple spares, and you're going to say, well, Adam, why didn't you give him one of those? Well, my answer to that is because I'm a hoarding, greedy bastard, uh, and I knew he was just going to rip it open. So I saw that Ringside had damaged package ones that were discounted, and I'm doing air quotes and discount. I think it's like uh, they were like $2 cheaper than a mint one, but they were in stock and ready to ship. So I ordered him an OC fig, and it actually arrived today, and guess what, Joe? Compared to the mint ones that I ordered and complained that they came terribly, this damaged package version is actually one of the better Orange Cassidy figures in my household right now. And I might have done a swap. (laughs) I'm giving them one of the other ones that I already had. That's crazy that one of the damaged package ones were better than... uh. Yeah, the ones that like I paid full price on or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so I got him a, an Orange Cassidy figure for his birthday that's coming up in a few weeks, and uh, that was my ringside order. 
One last thing, my final weekly purchase. And again, this is from Elvac, uh, friend of the show from Pod Van Dam, Ronald Two Legs himself sent me a message. I believe it was like either early Saturday or late Friday saying, hey, do you want this? And it was uh, a picture of a card that one of his friends pulled from a, a pack of 2020 Tops Undisputed. And it's an autographed Alexa Bliss card. And I said, hmm, I could be convinced. Uh, and we worked out a deal. I think I got a good deal on it. Uh, and I have my very first signed Alexa Bliss card. And that's my final weekly purchase. It's limited to uh, $1.99. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, though. Um, again, that you got the... Uh, a signed Alexa Bliss card. That's kind of a, like uh, a big deal, right? Yeah, I already had like an autograph picture, but this is my first card, so I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relatively big week, and like I said, everything came either at or because of Elvac. So, uh, with that, I ask you: mm-hmm. um, Now, does this week begin the year of fiscal responsibility? All right. Well, I mean, to be fair. You can't not buy a kid a present for his birthday. So the OC figure. Yeah, that order, don't count. All right, that doesn't count. And the T-shirts at uh, at LVAC. You know, you gotta buy merch when you're at an indie show. So that doesn't. Sure, count. you're 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 giving your payday back to the boss. Exactly. Uh, the Walmart exclusive Captain America figure. I think that was an issue of you have to strike while the pre-orders are there. And I also blame Tim. So, yes, that that's technically that violated my rules. And, uh, yeah, maybe the Alexa Bliss card was a little bit too much. But, yes, as of right now, the year of financial responsibility has started. Now, by some chance, are you going to shift your eBay winnings of the Transformers into, quote unquote, found money? So, therefore, it doesn't count toward this year of financial responsibility? Uh, my eBay uh, profits are going to go towards like a war chest for Toy Hile. Gotcha. You know, so whatever I make from uh, the stuff that I have up on eBay right now, which I mean, as of right now, with every item still having six days to go, I think I'm up to around 500 bucks worth of bids. So I think I'm going to be uh, doing pretty well, assuming that half these people pay. But uh, yeah, that's all going to just be my uh, my uh, Ohio trip fund. Awesome. And that's three weeks, as we mentioned before. Yeah, that's uh, so, yeah. June 18th is the AIW show and 19th is Toy Hile. Yeah. That's going to be a fun trip for you, I think, huh? Yeah, hope so. Looking forward to getting my Mark photo in front of some bathrooms with Justin Summers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you get to meet Broski, huh? Oh, yes, and, and Myers and, uh, you know, the other figure four people. Oh, Marky and uh, Mr. Chocolate Doodoo Fingers himself, Mr. Six WrestleMania is the star of Leprechaun Origins <laughs> and Muppets Most Wanted, Dylan Hornswoggle yes. Postal. Like the Ed hashtag, you have to say his full name. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, more on that as we get closer to the show, I'm sure. For sure. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Thanks for indulging us. Thanks for letting us kind of gush over the good time that we had at Real Rumble Friday and Real Rumble Saturday. Uh, For Adam, this is Joe saying thank you for listening to episode 140. 
of At Odds With Wrestling. And be safe, get vaccinated, and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.